in motion is Sewell. Goff to throw. Wants to throw it to Sewell. Oh, he oh, caught it. Boy, yes. Sewell on first down. Oh, yes. the big man dives down at the 31-yard line. Oh, that is beautiful. Welcome to the 20 Minute Huddle podcast. I have taken the podcast on the road to Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl, and I am very happy to be joined by Sean Dion Hamilton, former Lions linebacker, current defensive assistant, and down here, you're the defensive backs coach um, for the American team. Yes, sir. So let's start with this. Like You're an Alabama kid. Um, you were a three-year starter at Alabama. You grew up in Alabama. Just how much was the Senior Bowl part of kind of the culture here in Alabama with it being here for so many years? And, and how much as a kid did you dream about, you know, playing in this game? I was super excited. It's a huge deal being here from the state of Alabama. I uh, know Coach Saban always makes a, a guest appearance here one of the days at practice. And it was just one of those things where a lot of the in-state guys who are normally your seniors, like this is a, a, a box that they like to check out the list. Um, you know, just a, the, the next step, you know, getting to the NFL. So it was always a big deal getting invited back when I was a senior. It was a huge deal. So now being on the other side, being a coach, it's a tremendous deal, you know, for me helping other young guys, you know, trying, trying to get to the NFL. And unfortunately, you were hurt late in your senior year at Alabama. I hurt your knee in LSU, so you didn't get a chance to play. But how surreal is it now, you know, a few years later, you're back here, you're coaching. And like you said, now you're helping some of these young guys kind of achieve their dreams, dreams that 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 you were able to achieve yourself. Oh, it's it's awesome, man. Uh, you know, like I said, um, you know, didn't get a chance to play in this game, but I remember going through the interview process and kind of being nervous, not not knowing what to expect and, and things like that. And now here I am, you know, coaching uh, the corners up, you know, getting these guys ready. Uh, for the next level so it, the whole experience has been great and I've just been enjoying myself you know networking with coaches and learning things from them you made the transition from a player to a coach um, after training camp this year just how long had that been on your mind and, and what went behind that that transition to the coaching staff um, side think, of it I think I, I think it had been on my mind probably by the time the middle of camp I kind of started seeing how things were uh, funneling out for me with making the team and you know I started talking to AG had been told me you know that he could see how I'll go about business you know that I was going to be a great coach one day you know something that I tried to I ran from it from a long time because all of my coaches have always told me you know this is what you're going to do I know how you're wired um so talking to AG um talking to guys like um Ship um then you know I, I get released or whatever and you know talk to Dan and talk to Brad and you know Kudos to those guys for, you know, giving me the opportunity to, to come back and, and join the staff. So, I mean, we got a great staff and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a special group, man. That's all I can say. I enjoy coming to work every single day. How much easier, Sean, was that transition? Because there are so many coaches on this staff who were former players, mm -hmm. who were in the same situation that you were. You talked about AG and Dan and Deuce mm -hmm. and Randall L, and the list goes on and on. And sure. How much easier did it make that transition? Because you have a ton of guys on that staff that are in the same spot you are. Right. It, it makes it so easy, man. You know, everybody can relate. 
Um, I think the the wisdom and the knowledge that they've been sharing with me, you know, just with the transition, um, you know, just grooming me up, man, and just preparing me, you know, for this journey, you know, like I don't take it lightly, you know, those guys treat me, you know, just like a, another little brother and uh, will showing me the ropes, and you know, I, I greatly appreciate that. Defensive assistant, I think a lot of people out there maybe, hey, what does a defensive assistant do? What what are your weekly responsibilities? I'm just maybe going into a little bit about what you started doing, how that evolved, just kind of what you're responsibilities were on a week-to-week -week basis on that coaching staff so some of my responsibilities would be you know breaking down the film on the the opponents um you know during the games i'm on the sideline you know any way that i can assist um ag or ship rather than, rather than if that's uh, uh ag knowing what calls he's called um keeping up with the rips um you know organizing the practice scripts um making sure that the presentations and things like that are are, are good for the players when they come in and now you've made the transition this week to having your own room, right? Working with the defensive backs, specifically the corners. And I know we talked a little bit after practice and, and you have an aspiration to be a defensive quarter, be a head coach, you know, someday in this league. So how important has this week been for you to, to get your own room and expand your, your coaching toolbox per se to, to, to be able to set up and, and, and coach a, a specific group for, for all week? Uh, it's extremely important and extremely excited. Um, you know, so super stoked for the opportunity you know, just to be hands-on with the guys and be able to go out there and, and coach ball and, you know, stand in front of the room, you know, and run the room because, you know, I'm starting to believe that the players are a reflection of their coach. Um, so it's been great. Uh, you know, like I said, I got those aspirations to be coordinators and, and head coaches. And, you know, I've always known exactly, you know, what players are supposed to do, like on the back end. But now, you know, um, getting the tools, you know, to, to – for their technique purposes and things like that, I know it will only help me um, further on down the road in my coaching journey. And just how beneficial has this been from a Detroit Lions perspective as well? Obviously, you guys are looking to always improve the talent on your football team, defensively especially. Brad Holmes came out after the season and said, hey, you know, we're going to spend some resources there. And for you able to, to be able to spend time with these guys specifically, not just see what they do on the field, but how are they in the meeting room? How do they handle information? Um, you know, can they translate what they learn in the meeting room to the field? Just how important has that been in, in you guys' now evaluation of, of some of these defensive backs here in Mobile? Oh, it's been great, man. You know, like I said, to, to be hands-on with these guys, to see what type of learner they are. Um, just the whole evaluation process, seeing how guys can retain information from uh, the meetings to the practice field in this short amount of time, it's been great. Um, I'm enjoying it, you know, seeing the guys play with great effort, you know, seeing how the guys respond when they're tired or when, you know, m maybe a guy catches the ball and seeing how they res respond, you know, so it's it's been great and I've been enjoying it, man. I know it's early in the week. I don't want to put you on the spot. Any guys maybe stand out a little bit? Is it it's, too early for that yet? Do you not want to put anybody on the spot? I, I can say I got a great group of corners. Uh, you know, they were a little bit tired today. I mean, a lot of guys been <laughs> They haven't played football in a minute, right? They haven't, they haven't played football in a, in a minute, and guys been training for the comeback. So I probably have um, a couple of guys, like I say, after tomorrow's practice. So, What is it like working for AG? What's it like working for Dan? Oh man, those two guys, man, it's it's awesome. Um, you know, those guys love ball, uh they're grinders, um, you know, like just, just being former players, man, like it's it's a special connection that we have. You know, they come to work every single day, have their heart, head on, 
uh, you know, all about the players. Um, it's, it's great. I, I enjoy working for them. When you look at the evaluation of the defense, is it hard because you look at the overall numbers and obviously, Sean, they weren't where you guys want them to be. But you look at during the last 10 games that eight and two run. I mean, the, the 20.1 points allowed per game, that was 11th best in the league. So how do you when, you, when you're doing the evaluation, differentiate between that rough start and, and how much better the defense played in the second half and how much do you have to take that into the evaluation? evaluation kind of the big picture of which guys you want back how much you want to rerun this what guys you need to bring in is that the hard part of the evaluation process um it kind of sort of is um you know at the same time you know that's that's what make uh coaches you know that's what makes us have jobs you know that's up to us you know to understand and and see what worked for us you know going into next season you know momentum wise you know for us to keep self-evaluating you know weed out the things that we like and we don't like so I know AG, I know Dan, you know, we have a great plan moving forward to keep building on this momentum like we finished the season. How much fun are you having this week? Um, I'm having super fun, man. You know, being around ball, I love this game of football. It's giving me so much opportunity, and now just being able to coach and give back to, you know, the, the, the next rising stars, it's, it's awesome. Well, Sean, have a terrific week here. We'll be watching uh, along the way. It's it, it's going to be a fun offseason, right? I mean, obviously, the, the goal um, was the playoffs, was the division. Didn't quite get there, but 9-8, and eight, you guys were uh, uh, playing some of the best football uh, of any team in the NFL. It's got to be a fun offseason. You guys have some draft capital. You guys uh, uh, have draft uh, uh, cap space. So this is going to be a fun offseason, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to be super exciting. You know, it's going to be important, you know, that we just keep on working hard and just keep building on this momentum and just remember, you know, some of the things and the tools that we did um, later on in the season. Make sure we carry it over until 2023. He is Sean Dan Hamilton. Thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you. Welcome back to the 20 Minute Huddle podcast, and I welcome in Ray Agnew, assistant GM for the Detroit Lions. Thanks for joining me, Ray. Appreciate oh, man, you. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, Love talking ball, so it's all good. Let's start with this, though. Does this bring back some memories? I don't know if people out there might remember, but you played in the Senior Bowl game back in the day. Yeah, some great, great memories. I met some some great friends while I was here that we're still friends to this day that I played in the Senior Bowl with. Uh, You know, uh, I was having a pretty good week, man. I think the offensive line got a little mad at me. One of them dove at my knee and took my knee out, so I got hurt in the game. I didn't actually play in the game, but it was like the second or third day of practice. And uh, I was a little angry about it. I bet. I said some choice words that I probably, <laughs> probably should, re- should repeat on. <laughs> but what was the, was it a good experience, though? And, and, and what's the benefit for now in your position this week of evaluating guys? Because it's not like the combine where you're watching guys run in shorts. And, I mean, guys are, are getting after it. They're playing football. And, and you're getting to evaluate guys in pads playing football. Is that the biggest benefit of this week and, and this event? Yeah, absolutely. Now, first of all, for me, it was, a, it was a chance when I came here to prove that I could play against the best yeah. of all. You know, and so – to see the, see which guys will compete, you know. The two things you want to see is the guys that compete, you know, in times like this when it's time to stand up and compete, and also uh, how quick they learn football, yeah. you know. Those those are the two things you want to see. And uh, you get to see all that because this is the best of the best, and you see those guys compete. Some guys rise to the top. Some guys go the other way. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I think you make an interesting point there too, is, is the part off the field, right? Everybody can evaluate what a guy does off the field, but you guys got a chance to coach this last year. And Sean Dion Hamilton is, is here coaching the DBs, but that part of it, right? How does a guy retain information? Can he take what he learns in the classroom and take it to the practice field? How quickly does he develop within the scheme or understand schema? Are those some of the things that are the important part of the behind the scenes stuff that, that, that you can, you can glean from this week? Absolutely, man. Uh, quickly learn uh, how how does he retain how does he take hard coaching yeah so, yeah <laughs> you know because some of these guys they've been the best of the best on their team since high school and nobody's probably ever yelled at them and also man just just the simple part is running the drill when the coach running the drill do he have to keep telling this guy the same thing over and over again or does he pick it up right away what position groups maybe were were you interested in in evaluating that maybe you thought were, were kind of strong down here um when you well, when you decide to come for down. me, I wouldn't say it's a position group. It's a certain guys that yeah. you know I want to see. Yeah, know, I want to see what they look like live, and then I want to see how they compete. You know, against top talent. You know, you and and Brad did the 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 co press conference um at after um train after the the, the training camp after the the roster was cut and um. I'm just curious your relationship with Brad. You guys go back a, a while yeah. now. You were with the, the L.A. Rams. He brought you over to be his assistant general manager. It's, it seems like you guys are just in lockstep together. And what is it like working under Brad? And just talk about that relationship a little bit. How important it is for the GM, the assistant GM, to to have a good relationship like it seems like you guys do. Well, first of all, uh, you know it, it's been great. I feel like. It's going to sound crazy, but I feel like a big brother, you know, watching your little brother grow up and become, you know, this great person and great man and you know, great at what he does. Uh, I watched him when he came in, and, and he had passion and drive. You saw that right away. And and you saw the uh, the thing that stands out for me, Brad, is the smarts. And yeah. I, <laughs> that mind works in some, some great ways, and... Uh, I've enjoyed watching the progress and watching him grow. And uh, we just, we grew up around the same people as far as scouting. And uh, we think, think alike, you know, and every, what we do, we think, think alike. And it's just, it's just a good, good match. It works. And just speak to your role a little bit more, Assistant GM. You obviously have aspirations to, 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 to you know, be a GM yourself yeah. one day. And I'm just curious, in that role, what, what's your biggest responsibility as, as Brad's right-hand man there? Well, you know, the help, I would say the biggest responsibility is to help making sound decisions and uh, to take take weight off his back. You know, uh, do do things that he shouldn't have to do. I should be. I take care of those things. You know, just being a, a friend and, and being a whatever he needs me to be. Bye. Ray, you guys have had so much success the last two years in in, in drafting and, and building this football team. Do you feel like where you guys were when you started and where you are now heading into your third season, that, that you're maybe a little bit ahead of the game where, where you thought you'd be just because of this so much success you guys have had drafting the last two years? I mean, look at guys like Penne and Saint and Aiden from last year. I mean, the list goes on and on. Uh, uh, Malcolm, Kirby, who looks like he's a guy. Do you, do you feel like you've kind of sped that up a little bit with the success that you guys have had the last two years and, and how quickly those guys have become maybe core pieces? Yeah, I will say, uh, you know, I think, you know, a nice couple of drafts, we've drafted some guys that love football and they love playing the game, and um, they've done a great job, and they're, they're becoming the nucleus of our team. You know, to, to say we're ahead of the game would mean we'd play 
we still playing or we played in the playoffs. So I'm not going to say we're ahead of the game. We're on track where we yeah. need to be. But I wouldn't say we're ahead of the game because, you know, ahead of the game is being in the dance, yeah. in my opinion. I, you have five picks in the top 81 um, this, this, this offseason. You've got some cap space to, to do some things. Maybe you, you didn't your, your first couple years here. Just how exciting is, is that part of it, knowing that, that you can get so much better you, you, this off season than even you were at the end of the season when you guys were playing so well? And, and we're very excited, and that's why it's so important to, to do the work to make sure you get the right people, you know, the right players and the right people for that not building. We know uh, we believe in our coaching staff tremendously. They're gonna coach. They're gonna coach him up and get him ready yeah. to play. We got to give them what they need to to get over there. And that seems like it's a good point by you because that that's such an important relationship, isn't it? Front office to coaching staff, and it seems like with you and Brad and, and you guys department and Dan and that coaching staff, it, it really is on lockstep, isn't it? And and how important is that in the overall process of building and developing a good football team? Very important. I, I don't think you you're gonna be successful if. if those two don't get along. It's just not. It's just not going to happen. I've been a part of situations where it was like that, and it just wasn't good for nobody, you know. So, but to have those guys, and and it's crazy because it seems like we all speak alike and we all on the same page. We want the same type of player thing. So it's, it's awesome. When you evaluate the 2022 Detroit Lions, obviously you guys didn't get off to the start you wanted, right? You're one and six, but you look at the way you finished. Um, eight and two, and and even when you look at the defensive numbers, you know you you finish at thirty second in the NFL at total defense. But if you look at the last ten games, allowing twenty point one points per game, I think that was eleventh best in the league, Ray. So how hard is it to evaluate the totality of the season and the numbers, but then to evaluate also how much better you guys were playing the second half of the season? How do you evaluate that? Do you have to take the totality or, or boy, we were playing much better defensively in the second half, so maybe we bring back some of these guys and, and, and keep this rolling because we were playing so much better. We were so improved. I guess what's the process there? Do you have to compartmentalize it or do you have to look at the whole thing? I guess what's the process well, there? To me, if, and this is going to sound crazy, but it's kind of an easy process to me. You're always trying to get better. So yeah. there's nothing personal against any player. <laughs> But you, you're always trying to get better, so we're looking for better at, at all positions. You look at this rookie class, the, this last rookie class, everybody but probably Chase Lucas you know, really played an important role, and Chase did some good things on special teams, and it looks like he's an ascending player as well. How is that going to benefit you guys with so many of those young guys playing big roles? And you know as well as I do that, that usually a player's biggest leap is from year one to year two – when you got so many guys that played so much and had such big roles as a rookie, uh, how much better can those guys be? How much better of a football team can you guys be with so many young players playing so many big minutes? It's a great question, but uh, it's exciting, first of all. Let me say that. It's exciting to watch those kids play. Uh, and, and, and you know, you watch them do the things you thought they could do, and they're doing it already. You know, James Houston, you know, from the certain aid and, you know, all those guys that play well last year Kirby you know uh, it's just it's exciting to see that man and uh and like I was saying earlier those guys have become new players they're they're good players Panay Panay's a stud uh, Saint Saint's a stud you know and then you know the young young Jameson you know when he gets rolling so it's exciting you know it's exciting times to be 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 with the Detroit lot I'm glad you brought up Jamo because I was going to bring it up just Jared talked about how you can just see that this guy's got it 
whatever it is, and that he can be a number one type guy. You guys have the same assessment of oh, yeah. him. Can no, he be a legit number one? And, and why do you say that? Because I see the smile. You're you're obviously excited about him. Me, get the athletic ability. What he can do, run, and on that. Everybody can see that. Yeah. That kid got some stuff in him that you know there ain't a lot of receivers got. You know he's you know the big term you know the old yeah like saint and yeah they just got that innate toughness in them. I his ability it is what it is. Right. Everybody can see that, but I think it's that extra stuff that he has is going to make him threat. Not many wide receivers number twelve picks want to go ahead and just roll on that that punt team and and, yeah. and be the the gunner, <laughs> yeah. right? Is that what I mean? Is that what you're referring exactly. to? Like he does, he doesn't matter. He just wants to be on the field play. And you know, and I lived in St. Louis for a long time, and uh, he's a St. Louis kid, and uh, those kids there, man, those are tough kids, man. They are innately tough kids. You know, I watched a lot of high school and little league football with my kids from the uh, the, the St. Louis. Those are some tough kids, man. And when you get one, you got a tough one. Yeah. So, so he's a tough kid, man. So. I want to ask you about James Houston too, um, a guy that you know kind of had to wait to 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 get a spot for him. You know, wait till Charles and you 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 dealt some injuries with Charles and Julian, and that kind of gave him his opportunity. But I know you guys were seeing it before that on the practice field. What about his ability? And, and obviously the numbers are what they are, eight sacks in seven games. I mean, really impressive. But what is it about his skill set that, that is unique and, and that you guys found pretty attractive and wanted to give him a chance? You know, he's a long guy. He has left, you know, the arms are really long. And it's really like the juice. I mean, he, and he can bend off the corner, man, which most pass, great pass rushers can yeah. do. You know, and you can see that on tape at Jackson State. You know, he, he played a lot of off. Uh, stack linebacker at Florida. So at Jackson State, they put him on line, let him rush, and he was able to see that. So when you look at some of the guys down here this week, the, the interior offensive linemen, maybe just speaking to some positions of, of, of need for you guys or some positions that you might be looking for, defensive line, how much is versatility important for you guys? Because when you talk about a guy like James who played stacked and then could go on the edge, Aiden, three interceptions, can drop, do some things, play inside on your NASCAR package and do some of those things too. How much is versatility a big part of what you guys want to, want to have in, in terms of collective players on your football That's team? You're absolutely. Versatility is, all, I mean, priority. Because if you're just in one position, you got, you got to be special. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be very special. But especially up front, O-line, D-line, you know, you want those guys to be able to play, you know, multiple spots. The more you can do, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's finish up with this one. And again, I'm speaking with Ray Agnew, the assistant general manager for the Detroit Lions. Big week down here at the Senior Bowl. Ray, nine and eight, just missed the playoffs. You were that close. We talked about the draft picks, the cap space. Just how excited are you for this offseason and where this team is is headed? It, it, it kind of looks like you're right there to kind of getting close to some of the things and some of the goals that you guys set up when you, when yeah. you and Brad came here. I, it's very exciting, you know. It's, it's it's a good time to be a lion, I, like I said. But uh, the thing is, you know, you can't rest on nine and eight and like, okay, we're there. No, you gotta work, yeah, to get it there. First of all, I will, I would, I would love to bring a winner there for. We want to bring a winner for the city of Detroit. We think, I think personally, I played a long time in this league. These are some of the most loyal fans. And they follow the team faithfully, and we feel like there's ownership in this city, and and our fans deserve a winner. And 
It's a unique place. Yes. And if, if the Lions ever become a consistent winner. I know you haven't been here long, but you can probably oh, understand what that is going to be like, what that this parade could potentially be like, just what this atmosphere, and you see it at Ford Field at the end of the season, absolutely. just what that environment can be. You guys bring a consistent winner here. It, it'll be fun, won't it? Well, stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Stay tuned. Ray, appreciate you taking the time. Have, have a, a, a good rest of your week here, and uh, good luck this offseason. It should be fun. Okay, thank you, man. Awesome. Appreciate you. Thank you. Back here at Hancock Whitney Stadium for the, day, the second day of the Senior Bowl, and I am happy to bring in Connor Rogers. And Connor does a lot of things. He's got his hands in a lot of different stuff: uh, Pro Football Focus, NBC. But we're going to talk uh, some of these prospects. And let's start here at the Senior Bowl. Um, you know, with the, with the Detroit Lions, you look at positions of need. And really, when you talk to Brad Holmes and, and Ray Agnew, the assistant general manager, they say, "Look, we just we're about getting good players. We're about getting better at every position." But you look at the numbers, Connor. Defensively, obviously, this team needed. Uh, need need some more talent, need some more depth. And so talking specifically about the senior bowl, maybe who are some guys on that defensive side of the ball that have maybe jumped out to you a little bit the first couple of days and, and maybe could be fit scheme-wise or, or just, you know, adding talent to that Detroit defense? No doubt. I mean, I look at the Detroit defense, and they've done such a good job over recent years of adding talent across the roster, but now it's filling out all three levels. We know we're going to talk about cornerback with this team. Yeah. But how about a little team speed in the middle of the defense, too? You look at a guy like Marte Mapu from Sac State who's out here. Uh, he's an interesting player because he's kind of built like a bigger safety, 220, 225 pounds, sideline to sideline speed. He has no fear of coming downhill <laughs> and throwing his shoulder down. He makes plays against the run. Uh, how about in the interior, the defensive line, too? A guy that can kick at the one-tech or the three-tech, Keanu Benton. Yeah, I, I mean, he's just been unblockable down he here, honestly. And you look at what the Lions have built up front. You start to like the edge depth that's built, right? You have Aiden Hutchinson. You have Houston. Uh, you like Aleem McNeil in the middle of that defense. Maybe you can get another rotational pass rusher. Will McDonald's down here. He's a lighter guy. He's 235, 240. He's going to play around there. Quickness. He's had some battles with one of the best tackles down here in Mobile, Darnell Wright. Yeah. They've been going at it. And you see McDonald's a guy that can win the outside shoulder. So you start to build a rotation of a pass rush. So I think the Lions, there's plenty of players that fit the defense at all three levels here. And some of the guys that you mentioned there are pretty versatile, too. Sure. And, I, and I, I know that's a big thing with Brad. You look at Aiden Hutchinson, right, can, can play on the outside, but kicks inside in their yeah. NASCAR package. Had three interceptions, can be able to drop back and play in space. James Houston was a stacked linebacker at Florida, which Jackson State was an edge guy. The Lions used him multiple ways. So is that a, a, the fun part about the Senior Bowl, too, is just putting these guys in some uncomfortable positions, putting them in and just seeing the scope of, of maybe how they can help a team in a lot of different areas. Absolutely. It's one of my favorite things to watch because you could turn on a guy like Benton, right? Benton yeah. was somebody that because of his size, he's a 330-pounder. He nose tackle, in right? college, Johnson. You're sticking yeah. him at zero. He's yeah. over the center. He's going to play nose. He's going to play shade, shade nose off the shoulder. You look at him down here and you say, he's got pass rush ability as a three-tech, and you just love that versatility because yeah. it, Guy like that on first and second down, you know you can stick him right in the middle of the defense. Then you get creative on the passing downs. You don't have to take him off the field. And I think that's something that the Lions value is players that they understand their rotations, but they also love the three-down ability when teams don't let you sub. So, yeah, this is such a cool event for that where guys that are safety converts or they might be converted on a different spot of the offensive line. You get center snaps. You get tackle snaps. 
this is a really good event for coaches to put you in uncomfortable situations and see how they react. And these guys have reacted really well day after day. I'm glad you mentioned him, the guy at Wisconsin, because he, you know, back then, he, he has looked really, really good. He was part of my, you know, observations in day one. I thought he had a really good day two, too. So he's kind of followed that up. He's been really, really good. And when we talk about the Detroit defensive line, especially on the, along the interior there, I think they're going to be looking for some for some help there. They got a Lee McNeil who they love, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with the Isaiah bugs. He's a free agent, but they, yep. he's going to come back. But I think that's really kind of where they're probably looking at least for the most immediate help. Right. Sure. And yeah, and you can come down here and you could find the dirty work players, right? It's not yeah. the guys that are going to get you 15 sacks every year or the guys that are all the flash. How about look at Byron Young from Alabama? There's two Byron Youngs on the same team down here. One's an edge rusher from Tennessee. Maybe he'll fit Detroit too. But I'm looking at the defensive tackle from Alabama. Strong hands. When you go to Alabama, the one thing they're always going to tell you, and you see it on film, is they're coached up with their hand usage, hand placement, the strength that they have from the weight room where they don't get displaced in the run game. And you need bodies in there that can eat on two blockers, not one blocker. Yeah be able to set the edge, be able to control the run, be able to beat reach blocks, and just get tougher in the middle of the field so teams can't look at you and go, we're going to go north and south. You go, no, we have the bodies in here. They're going to hold up against the run while we have the rushers on the edge, especially a talent like Hutchinson and a talent like Houston. So that's the fun part about the Senior Bowl is everybody falls in love with the stars, but you forget that the day three picks that might only be rotational players, they can win you championships when you build out the roster. You know I mean those James Houston kind of guys, those guys that step in and have uh, eight sacks and – yeah, six sacks and it changes eight sacks real seven quick. games. You know, it, it changes yes. things and how they can become a core piece, a practice squad player at the beginning of the year to to a key component. Are right, you mentioned the cornerbacks at that off, off the top of this? That's obviously a need for for Detroit. Yes. Um, you know, are any have any guys jumped out at you here at the cornerback spot specifically? We can talk both nickel and yeah. outside. I mean, for when I look at a guy like Julius Brents, that's, you know, six foot two and smooth and move and can turn his hips and run down the field. That's someone to me, right? You look at this corner class that is, if you're at the Lions, you're in a dream scenario because what do you need the most? In my opinion, you need corner. What's the best position in this entire draft? In my opinion, corner. Yeah. It's not, and then when you say best, you go, well, is it blue chip town at the top? Is it deep? It's everything. It's everywhere. There's yeah. going to be starters in round three. There's going to be starters in round four. I think there's all pro guys that are going to go in the top 10. It's really nice flexibility to have because if you fall in love with a guy and you don't get him because you didn't want to move or he just didn't fall into your lap the way you thought, well, then you know you have fallback options. So I look at a guy like Brent's out here who's just a skyscraper of a corner. He can turn and run with the guys that go 4-4, but he can play tough and physical at the line of scrimmage. That's somebody that's jumped out to me. And it's tough to – you got to find competitive advantages in this class because you have all these underclassmen that are excellent. We did see a guy like Witherspoon pull out of here, but you have all these guys that didn't have the opportunity to come down here Prince has been able to come down here and show, listen, I can hang with the big dogs. What about the guys that aren't here? Some of the underclassmen guys. Yeah, yeah, it seems that way. And you see some of the early mock drafts and, you know, Detroit has the number six pick. They've got the number 18 pick. So they've got options. They could package things, move up. If they love a guy, they could take a corner six. I think there's going to be some good corners at 18. Do you agree? And, I do. And what do you really like about some of those top guys? What a place to be. And they're going to win the combine this corner class because you have a guy like Devon Witherspoon, to me, that absolutely justifies using a top 10 selection on him. Uh, he reminds me of Jair Alexander. He's not somebody that comes in and he's going to be six foot two, but he, and it's almost like he uses that height. And I think five foot 11 is not sure, but he uses it with a chip on his shoulder. He loves coming downhill and playing the run. He has the best click and close ability, the ability to plant his foot in the ground and get downhill to break up the pass. He's got the wheels to play the deep ball. He was the leader of that defense. He's the leader everywhere he goes. He has that alpha male mentality that you need that can really turn over the back end of your defense that, hey, this guy's the leader of our secondary for the next six years. And it doesn't stop there. You have Christian Gonzalez from Oregon, who's 
kind of a different mold. He's six foot two. He's going to run in the four threes, which is unbelievable at that size. He's going to look really good in the drill work. Uh, a little bit more of a, not quiet, but a different personality than Witherspoon. Calm, collected, level-headed, lose a rep, go win five reps kind of guy. And that's not even getting into Joey Porter Jr. of the world from Penn State, who's more of an option at 18 in my eyes. He's going to have probably the longest arms we've seen at the combine for a corner. Maybe him and Sauce Gardner are the two guys with that wow. kind of arm length. So you're talking about unique players, and that's not even getting to outside of that. You have Cam Smith, you have Keely Ringo from Georgia, you have Deontay Banks from Maryland. It's a loaded corner class where... Those three guys I mentioned at the top, they're going in the top 15, 20 picks. But if you miss on them, you're still going to find starters elsewhere. Yeah, and the line's like Jerry Jacobs, kind of their their bulldog type guy that, you know, the coaching staff really loves him. I don't think you could give up on Jeff Okudi yet. I don't some think of the so stuff either. That yeah. he's, he's played a little inconsistent at the end of the year, but I thought he played like the number three pick for probably so the too. first, you know, 10 weeks of the season. So yeah. they've got some talent there. I just think they need to build up that depth and, and build that competition in that room. All right, let's talk about real the, the, the number six pick real quick. Obviously, a ton of options there. Some of those top defensive guys are there. You look at the statistics defensively for Detroit, last in the league on defense. They obviously need to fix that side of the ball. Is that where they're going at number six? And, and maybe who are some guys that, that could fit right there at number six and be be perfect fits? I think so. And I start with Witherspoon, not to keep bringing him up, but he's the best corner in this draft, and he absolutely justifies the number six pick. If you have a front office that just values length at the corner position, you take Gonzalez. They're both top ten kind of guys. So if you're dead set at corner and you want the blue chip guy, you want the fancy toy, obviously, and you're not bargain shopping, you'll get that guy at six because you're in a great spot. You have two first-round picks. You have the power to do so. Uh, but when you look at it, the options are endless. Let's not act like two. And I don't expect this, but what if you want to move up from six? You call in Arizona and three and say, hey, we love Will Anderson. What does it take to go up and get Will Anderson? I'm not ruling options like it. The Lions are going to be aggressive this year because they know they can win right now. And that's an incredible place to be. They have belief in the coaching staff. The roster has turned the corner. The offense is great. You don't have to worry, especially with Ben Johnson back. The offense is great. I think you can actually bargain shop for your offensive needs with this draft on day two and day three on the offense. Use your blue chip assets. At the top of defense, this defense, 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 and defense. You know, or a package to move up and get a, get a, a, yeah. a an elite guy. Yeah. Can, they, can they move up? Can they package something enough to get Carter? Is he too good to to probably a team want to drop down to not get? So it? that's not the issue to me. Is that Chicago is the bearer of that number one selection? Yeah. That's how I look at it. Now let's throw a scenario out there for fun. What if Chicago traded um, with the Colts? You know, at four, right? And you have quarterback with the Colts at one, quarterback to the Texans at two. Then you call Arizona because you want to jump your rival, the Bears. That's how you get Jalen Carter. And and these are scenarios when you're doing the draft and you're scouting that you play out in your head that everybody might laugh at in January and February. And then you go to April and the best GMs get creative and they do that. So I would not rule out Jalen Carter to the Lions. It's just going to take one domino to fall the right way. But with everything, with, with everything that you said, with, with the number six pick, the number 18 pick, you've got two second round picks. You were nine and eight. You've got... A really nice roster of young core guys. I uh, just where this is a, in, a, in a franchise that's in a pretty good situation right now, don't you think, Connor? Incredible. And I, if you do want to nitpick and get on the offensive side of the ball, listen, we watched them trade T.J. Hawkinson. It's a great tight end class. It's a great and that talent. Sure, guys are going to go in the first round. I'm sure, Lions fans were used to at 18, maybe seeing a Darnell Washington from Georgia if Michael Mayer from Notre Dame fell there. But it's, it, there's options outside of that. You have Dalton Kincaid. You have a lot of different types of players. Luke Musgrave. There's day two tight ends where, hey, if you do, you got to make the offensive staff yeah. happy once in a while, right? Well, running back, too. You know, Jamal sure. Williams is headed toward free agency. Yep. Justin Jackson is going to be an unrestricted free agent. DeAndre Swiss entering the last year of his rookie deal. This is deal. a great class. So, yeah, is it a, it, it, yeah. can they find it's a good fit the, there the at Lions, running back, too? The Lions needs really a line because I, I don't love this draft class as a whole. There's questions whether it's at quarterback. There's questions on the depth of maybe 
the edge town and the interior defensive line town and safety and linebacker. But running back, tight ends, it seems like in corner, those are the three big spots right now in tackle, which isn't a problem for the Lions at the moment right now. So when you look at running back, it's just a deep group. You, you don't have to take the B. John Robinson at 18. You don't need to do things like that. You have a guy like Jameer Gibbs that's probably a second-round player from Alabama, a Dalvin Cook kind of player. And then you can look at the senior board right here and find guys. Look at Roshan Johnson. He was B. John Robinson's backup at Texas. He weighs 225 pounds. He's north and south bruiser. You know Dan Campbell's looking at him going, we need a guy that can close out games, yeah. right? We need somebody that can really wear down the defense in the second half. Roshan Johnson can pass protect. It's, it sounds like a little like Jamal, Jamal Williams right now, right, the way I'm describing him. And there's a little bit of that in his game. So this running back class is very, very deep. You know, and talking about Roshan, too bad he had the, the hand you know, injury. He wasn't able to complete the senior bowl, but he probably starts for a lot of teams yes. in college. He averaged 6.0 yards per carry this year. And so a bigger back, like you mentioned, um, you know, an interesting prospect. There. And I very. think there's a lot of those guys, you know. Um, you know, some of the smaller guys, some of the scat guys that, that showed some speed down here. I mean, yeah. the, there's a running back for for really any there uh, is. any any scheme. Yeah, it depends in this what class. you need, right? You look at somebody like Charbonnet from UCLA. Zach Charbonnet was a transfer from Michigan, so Lions fans that are also Michigan fans might know him well. He transfers to UCLA. He's a big bruiser, 225 pounds. He can run north and south. He can pass protect like Roshan Johnson. Where hey, we need a bigger back. He's there. If we need a smaller yeah. back. There's guys like that as well. So you're just sitting in a really good spot. And, you know, obviously a lot of NFL draft fans know this by now. There's running back talent in every single draft that's just scattering how they're going to fall and when you have to actually pounce to get your guy. Yeah. Well, Connor, great stuff. I, I love the introduction to the draft. It's a fun time, right? It is. Senior Bowl, and you're going to get free agency, and then we're going to be at the, you know, it goes the quick. draft comes, and, and the Lions have uh, obviously a lot of draft capital. They've got a nice young roster, 9-8. and eight, They're on the up and up, and so – uh, it's a fun time to be a Detroit Lion fan, and thanks for uh, breaking down the draft. Great it's, stuff. It, thank you. It's no problem. And, you know, when you cover the NFL draft, you start to root for certain teams that have been a part of your rebuilding content for so long. And it's great to see the Lions turn the corner where we don't talk about the Lions. Hey, they're picking top two, top five, whatever it is. Now it's how do the Lions get the right pieces to be a serious playoff contender, and it's a great place to be. Awesome. Well said. We are finishing up the 20 in the Huddle podcast presented by Microsoft here in Mobile, Alabama at the Senior Bowl with some guys that impressed. Yes, sir. I am Tim Twentyman. He is PJ Clark, and he's just been a busy week down here in Mobile. You know, I love the Senior Bowl just because really it's, it's the last chance for all these execs, for all these coaches to see these prospects, at least the senior prospects, actually playing football. Um, if, if guys didn't get a chance to, you know, see a prospect throughout the year, now you get a chance these three days here in Mobile to, to see them actually doing football stuff. They're not running 40-yard dashes in tights. It, it, it's football stuff. And it's an important thing. I mean, we have a, a couple of school, small school guys on your list that playing in the MAC or playing in G5 or even, you know, North Dakota State and FCS school, and you're coming up to play, you know, with the big boys here. And it's an important thing. We saw it with Christian Watson last year, made a big impact here, and then went number 34 overall. So it's a big week for draft stock. You know, and it's also a, a, a big week for these guys to show off some versatility, too. I mean, you look at the offensive-defensive linemen especially. I mean, guys that are tackles, you know, they're putting them at guard. They're putting guards at centers, left guard, right guard, center. And so I think teams get an idea of, of some of the players' versatility. Um, and so that's one of the benefits, I think, of this week as well. But let's cap off the week right now, Peach, with, with some guys that maybe stood out. And, and I'll let you open up maybe – 
where we're going to go through maybe about, you know, 10, 11, 12 guys real quick, like just some guys that impress some guys to keep out, keep an eye out for, um, come draft time. But, but maybe what's, what's one big one for you that, that stood out over the three days of it, practice? If you were following Twitter at all on the first day of practice, I think Dewan Jones, the offensive tackle from Ohio state, the biggest guy here was the story. He's got the longest wingspan in the history of the senior bowl. Was it 89 and a half? Yeah. I mean, this, this guy, he was just taking everybody's lunch in one-on-ones. Every edge rusher they put up against him had, had no chance. It was really impressive. Got hurt, did not practice for day two. Is still expected to play in the game, trying to work through it. But man, what a what an imposing force at tackle he was. And in the one on ones, I think especially, and they did you know the the offensive line, defensive line run drills first, and then they did the pass rush drills. And obviously, all the scouts and everybody just gravitates to the O line. That's the show. Pass That's rush. why you're here. It is. It is the show. And those run drills, especially with Jones, I mean, I thought it was really impressive. Um, you know, Foskey, the kid from Notre Dame, one of the better pass rushers here. I think that that first rep, he drove him five yards down the field in the run game. Andre think, Carter, too, another yeah. guy that was a top 10 pick projected in, coming into the year, just absolutely beat him. I think that's where he really showed his worth. And, uh, you know, I, I think when he got his hands on guys, they really didn't get off him and because of that wingspan, because of that size. And I thought he showed a little bit of, of nimble feet for a guy that big, too. I thought he really helped himself down here. Another guy... Um, for me that, that I thought was was really, really good was uh, Keanu Benton, uh, the defensive tackle from Wisconsin. I thought he was a handful all week. Um, you know, played the three-tech down here, but he was really a nose tackle in Wisconsin's scheme. And, you know, we, we know from Ali McNeil, it, it, you know, you're facing so many double teams at that nose tackle spot. It's hard to get the production that maybe jumps off the screen, but they moved him out to three-tech down here, and I, I thought he had a terrific week. Yeah, he was unblockable, especially in the team. I mean, he, in the team run fits, he blew up a couple of plays in a row on the first day and, and was really impressive. The The interior offensive line for, for that team on the first day especially did not have a, have a great day. They were still working out the kinks a little bit, but, you know, that interior defensive line headlined by Benton just took advantage. Yeah, and, you know, Another guy for me, sticking with the interior there, is is Carl Brooks. You yeah. talked about the small school how about, guys. How about those two guys on the same team wrecking up the Boy, middle? Carl Brooks from Bowling Green. I think he's a really interesting prospect because he's 300 pounds. He played defensive end for Bowling Green. I think it was... He was rushing out of two-point stance. This eight, was like Aiden Hutchinson stuff. 18 uh, uh, tackles for loss. I think he had ten over 10 sacks from the defensive end. He played the interior his first... You know, a couple years um, getting real time at Bowling Green. So, again, that versatility, right? You're talking about defensive tackle who was able to play defensive end. He shifted and played more defensive tackle down here. And I think there was a sequence where he won two one on one reps right in a row against some good competition inside. And then during the team drill, excuse me, uh, just blew up two plays right in a row. I mean, it was like a four-play sequence of like five minutes where, where he was the guy in the middle. I thought he he really helped himself this yeah, week. Yeah, I, I was really impressed with, you know, moving from, you know, compiling all those numbers and all those tackles for loss on the outside and then, okay, you're 300 pounds. Like, you're playing inside now. We got to figure this out. And he showed up a- against, you know, higher uh, power five, higher competition this week coming from Bowling Green. You didn't really know, like, Okay, you lead the Mac in sacks. Let's see it against guys from the Big Ten, and he, he was really impressive. Three hundred pounds that could play inside, and you can shift him on the edge. Yeah, and, and he's got nimble that's enough feet to do this. That's pretty dangerous. I think that's a kid that really, really helped himself this week. Who Ab- else jumped out absolutely. for you? Absolutely. Well, I, I mean, let's stay local. Bowling Green, kind of close to Detroit. Michigan State, certainly close to Detroit. Jaden Reed was, yeah. was the best wide receiver here. He was. 
he really helped himself. He was the fastest wide receiver here. They they instituted the zebra technology, which obviously you guys know all the you know they do that. Um, you know every team has that zebra technology, the little sensors in the in the shoulder pads that um, you know measure how fast you're going, how many yards you've gone. It's play it's just, speed. Yeah, it, it, it's it's it, it really speed. is. And he measured over 20 miles per hour. Um, was only guy. Only to guy to measure over 20. And and I thought on Wednesday specifically in one-on-ones, I think that he had three deep balls where he gained separation, had easy touchdowns. He went to the team drills. They played in the slot and outside. Again, that versatility that we talk about. And I thought he was – I agree. I, th- I thought he was the best wide receiver down here. And, and you know, it was a, it was a pretty diverse – um, pretty good skill set of wide receivers, but I think he he showed up the most. I think I I mean what impressed me the most was his footwork, just running the, especially on the intermediate routes. He had a couple fancy little in breaking routes that the, the the corner he was going up against had absolutely no chance, and he topped that off with twenty mile an hour speed, which is a, a rare thing. You know, a guy like JMO's at twenty two, so you're just a couple ticks under that, and you're the fastest guy here. You get open, you, you got a chance to impress. Also returned punts down yep. here. So, again, showed off that versatility of a guy that can do a lot of different things, play play in the slot, play outside, return punts. The more you can do, the better, right? Absolutely. All right, let's stick with the skill positions. I, I think it's a really, really good class of running backs yeah. overall. The underclassmen who are, are obviously, you know, Bijan Robinson's going to be probably the top guy out of Texas. But I think that the senior guys here, it was a really good group. I think overall this is a terrific group of running backs. You're going to get guys – I think all the way into late day two that could probably step in and be starters for teams. We'll see where the, where the need is with Detroit, Jamal Williams, Justin Jackson, obviously headed toward unrestricted free agency. DeAndre Swift's heading into the last year of his rookie need. contract. So I think it is a, a, a sneaky need. But, you know, one of the guys that I think um, stuck out the most to me is, is Tajay Spears out, out of Tulane. Um, you look what he did in that bowl game against USC, right? Had 205 um, yards, you know, really prompted that that Tulane upset. And over the year, it was 1,600 total yards. I thought he showed explosiveness down here. And I thought he showed a really good ability to catch the ball. And I think one of the things I talked to him on Tuesday, and he said one of the things I really got to show, being a little bit undersized, at, 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 you know, five nine, 200 pounds, good, but but with the height, is can he hold up as a, a, a protector? And I thought he really did well in in, in the drills uh, Tuesday and Wednesday against the linebackers holding up then he was really good in the one-on-one pass stuff in the seven on sevens and then you got to the team stuff in in on wednesday he blew a 70 yard touchdown right down the middle showed off the speed i thought he showed a complete game i think i think he, he proved down here that he's a three down back explosive runs and it's hard to be a three down back at, at five nine and especially with the draft capital where he might go you're looking at that guy in a committee but uh, imagine that guy's your two, and you just have a home run hitter like that. Yeah. And he showed it yesterday on one of the final pra- plays of practice in team period. He broke that 70-yard touchdown, and he held up in protection. And I was really, really impressed for a- another, you know, Tulane was very good this year, but a G5 guy doing against Power 5 competition here. All right, another sneaky maybe need for the Lions, linebacker. You know, Alex Anzalone is headed toward unrestricted free agency. I got the sense talking to him after the season that he's maybe looking for a longer-term deal. He signed two one-year deals here. We'll see, you know, where Brad and Ray and, and, and those guys stand on on bringing him back. You've got Derek Barnes, uh, obviously Malcolm Rodriguez, but I think you could look to add to that group. And uh, of the guys down here, I thought uh, 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 Dayon uh, Henley um, out of uh, Washington State was was a guy that kind of caught my eye. And, and really, PJ, was more for the stuff that he did in, in uh, Passboro. That was... was 
that was really... I mean, he had four one-on-one reps in a row with a pass breakup. And the ability to kind of turn his hips and run, he he was one-on-one with Chase Brown, one of the better running backs here, Absolutely. you know, big play guy. They were one-on-one in, in drills, and he kind of just flipped his hips. Uh, Brown tried to run a wheel route, flipped his hips, ran step for step with him. And the way this league is now, obviously a passing league, teams are looking for these linebackers, these third-down guys that can... Um, the, the Chris Board, he kind of played that role for Detroit uh, this year. A guy also headed toward for agency, but a guy that you can put in on third down and you can say, hey, he can cover uh, tight ends. He can cover um, running backs. I think that's a, a, a big need teams are looking for. And I think he showed down here that that uh, he's one of the better linebackers, at least of the group down here, that that, that can uh, uh, cover guys. Absolutely. And I, I think, you know, he's got the makings of a three-down player to me. You look at what he did this year, Washington State, over 100 tackles. He's got the coverage ability. He showed it off against Spears and Brown and all the good running backs on that team down here. And, you know, he was the one in the middle of the huddle getting everybody fired up. Yeah. And, and that team especially – they were fired up on defense during practice on Wednesday. They had and fun on defense. He was, the, he was the one kind of rallying the troops, and that is just, you know, that's a little thing that you get from being at practice down here, and the scouts, I'm sure, are taking a look at that as well. All right, as who a leader. Who's on your list? I mean, Keon White from Georgia Tech, the edge rusher. I, I think that guy is, he might be the best player here, especially I think, after this I think, week. I think he might have cemented himself. We'll see what he does at the combine and the testing, but I think there's a guy that maybe was a fringe first, second round guy. I, I think he really helped himself into the mid to, to late part of the first this round, like, I think. You look at what Jermaine Johnson did last year, and he w- he went 26th, but you know he was a fringe first round guy, and then he was in the top 10 of everybody's boards by the end of this week. And I, I think Keon White is going to have a, a similar rise, and we'll see where he ends up in the draft, but... Man, especially in the run game to me, you know, you see what he could do as a pass rusher with his, his crazy stats at Georgia Tech, but the run game this week was really impressive. How many sacks do you think he has if they can actually hit the quarterbacks this week? Because, you know, it is. They wear the red jerseys, right? And and you have to, you know, hold Amazing. up at the quarterbacks. But they, I think there were a ton of times where he just, he had got there, had the hold up. He was disruptive all week yeah. in both aspects of, of, of the game. All right, two guys for me. Um, again, sneaky potential needs for Detroit. Um, right guard. Um, that you know, we'll see what happens with with Big V. Um, obviously missed all of last year. He is under contract, but you know, backs can be finicky injuries. You never know. And then Evan Brown is headed toward unrestricted free agency, so there could be a little bit of need there. Um, Osiris Torrance out of Florida. I think he's the best um, guard in this in in this uh, draft. Um, I thought he he had a really solid week all week long. Really showed off an ability to anchor, uh, especially in 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 the run game. And look, played uh, right guard, played left guard down here. Again, that versatility that we talked about was even snapping some a little bit. Didn't do it actually in in team rest, but off to the side. And teams wanted to see that part of it from him too. I thought he was really really good. I give Osiris Torrance a lot of credit because he is pretty much the consensus top guard, and and he didn't have to come here. He had already cemented himself, and people really liked what he did this season at Florida but he came and I think he did exactly what he needed to do he didn't screw anything up he was just steady Eddie good and you know transitioning Keon White and and Osiris Torrance to me are the the two first round picks out of this group if I had to bet right now you know and speaking of of, of Torrance I got a chance to talk to him on Wednesday and it was interesting when he was at Florida his offensive line coach used to um Watch him in the office line because you watch film. And one of the guys that they really keyed in on was Oregon's Penny Sewell. And you say, well, Penny played tackle. Torrance is, is a guard. But I thought it was a unique perspective from, from those two to 
because they were similar size, because they were similar athletic skill sets, they would look at his hands, talking about Sewell, and his feet and how technical he was and try to take some of that stuff into his game. I thought it was kind of an interesting perspective there. And I asked him, well, what would it be like then? You're a freshman, sophomore watching Sewell at Oregon to be able to line up right, right next to that guy. Right next to him. He got a huge smile on his face. And then he said, well, Frank Ragnow is a pro bowl too, pro bowler too, right? Be able to sit right in the middle of two pro bowlers to start your career. Not, not a bad little spot. And look, Detroit's got five picks in the top 81. So I, I don't think it's out of the realm of, of possibility that you look at a guy like like um, Torres to, to 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 be you know second round pick. I don't think you pull the trigger there at eighteen. I think that's I think eighteen's a, it's early, but it's, it's a early. good spot. It's not a bad spot if you look at where the guards went in the last couple of years. That that mid teens is really where that they've been going. Kenyon Green went seventeenth last year, so that's a, a similar kind of prospect. And eighteen might be the spot if you're looking at Osiris Torres for the Lions. All right, another maybe sneaky position of need. Team traded T.J. Hawkinson yep. at the trade deadline. Um, Luke Musgrave, um, a guy that I thought was, you know, had a pretty good week here. I think we can all agree that uh, Michael uh, Mayer is the top tight end from Notre Dame. But I think there's a group of guys that were all competing to be that second guy. And I thought there's Luke a Musgrave, ton of second round tight ends this yeah, year I that Luke are all going to be good players. Had a, had a pretty good uh, week down here, especially on Wednesday when they were running a, a a drill where they were on their side. It was kind of a two minute period. They were on their side of the fifty yard line. They had thirty five seconds left on the clock, needed a touchdown, and Musgrave made a big play down uh, the right sideline, then made a key catch over the middle. And and when you're a quarterback, you're looking for those kind of friendly guys, right? The the the, the tight end safety those, valve quarterback's best safety friend. valve those big catch radiuses and look he's 6'5 250 right big target I thought he was a guy that that I thought helped himself this week as well I just I really liked how fluid he was especially running on the first day of practice they had him in one-on-ones against the linebackers and safeties the, the, they were running deep posts to the tight ends and I really liked how just his hips moved and getting in the middle of the field and you know, that's where you're making your money. You watch Travis Kelsey in the playoffs it's over the middle of the field and what can you do after the catch with that and I thought you know Depth of target, those 10, 15 yards, middle of the field, Musgrave really impressed me this week. And I think that'll be an interesting one this year for Ben Johnson, this offense, just because, uh, you know, they traded TJ Hawkinson, but still got so much production. Yeah. 12 touchdowns from the tight end position, only three of those from TJ Hawkinson. Um, You know, guys like Brock Wright um, and and, uh, Shane Zylster, really, really productive. So do you need to, you know, get a guy that you think is the number one, or can you get? You know, can can you kind of go with what you have and and the success because of the other pieces that you have? Maybe teams forgot about the tight end position a little bit, and Ben Johnson's very creative with that position and how he uses it. So I think that'll be interesting. Do you spend a day two pick on a tight end, or, or do you wait, maybe wait? Obviously, drafted Mitchell last year. I thought he, you know, really came on toward the end of the year. So I think that'll be an interesting one, but I think Musgrave is definitely in the mix there in terms of that 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 second group of tight ends that are off the board. If there is a year to draft a day two tight end, this is the right one. Yeah, at least in recent class. memory. Yeah. All right, you've got a couple uh, sleepers here. Well, we got one more guy on your top ten list, Caillou Blue Kelly. Yes. Stanford DB. I, I mean, we're going to talk about it for the rest of the offseason. The Lions have a need at cornerback. They and do. he was the best one here. He was. But it is a really, really strong class of underclassmen and and, and I think senior it, Devin Witherspoon, who's you know maybe the best corner in this class, pulled out because he, he yeah. didn't need to be here as a top ten nope. pick. And you know, 
but you got Christian Gonzalez and, and Joey Porter, and there's underclassmen too, but Caillou Blue Kelly, at least of the senior bowl group, stood out. Yeah, especially on Wednesday. Had that great play along the right sideline. He had a couple of pass breakups too. He, and, and he basically just went and snatched the ball out of the wide receiver's hand along the sideline, returned it 40 yards for a touchdown. It was the last play of the team period, that defensive unit defensive that we talked about. Nuts. He, they, they all swarmed him in the end zone. Um, he had a good day. I thought he helped himself. Yeah, I, I was really, really impressed with him. That's another long, you know, six-two body type that that the Lions could look at, and he's got know, some Lions ties too. Yeah, yeah. Father played for the Lions, and and what do you, you know, they have to decide what are you looking for a quarterback? Is it going to be an early round pick? And it's certainly the board is probably going to suit you at either six or eighteen. But if you're looking at at day two or even day three, it's a really deep class at corner. Don't be surprised if they add more than one. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, obviously Jeff Okuda, they love uh, Jerry Jacobs, but um, I thought Will Harris came on a little stronger at the end, but I think they're going to certainly look to add competition to that cornerback group. Don't be surprised at all if they get a free agent. I wouldn't be surprised if they draft too. I think they really want to improve the the depth and the competition in that cornerback room. Yep. All right, who are your sleepers? All right, my 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 sleeper, you're you're gonna make fun of me, and, I, and it's not. I a, would I would never. It's not a need I for the Lions. I would never. No, you never. Uh, it's not a lead lead for the Lions. But I, Bryce, I'm, I, I'm anticipating this now. Bryce Barringer, the punter from what? Michigan State. A punter? Punter from Michigan State. I'm you were not, watching the punters. Oh, huh? I was watching. I'm the punters. Jack Fox. I was watching the punters, and he's got a boot. And I know it's not a need for the Lions, but I I couldn't not shout him out after the week he had 75 yards first punt on Tuesday. I mean. Really impressive stuff. It was impressive. Really impressive stuff, and I know that's not... I will me. say, I'm, I maybe might have went to my computer and, yeah. and, and did some work when the special teams period... This I, guy doesn't want the special kudos, teams. Kudos to you yeah. for, for watching the Football punters. guy. Look at you. Special teams. Dave Fipp, I got you. <laughs> and the other guy for me, Evan Hull, another running back from Northwestern. You yeah, know, he was good. He was really good, and his tape is really interesting. You know, Northwestern was not great this year, but he was their entire offense. And they have, you know, a top 10 pick in Peter Skaronsky at left tackle and, and him at running back. And those two guys were the offense. And what he was able to do on a, on a bad Northwestern team, put up the numbers that he did, and then I think really impressed – I like this vision, hit holes really hard today, broke a couple, you know, runs in, in practice, and I was really impressed with him. Trivia with 20 men. Who's his agent? I, happens to be a Lions legend. A Lions legend? A Lions legend. Zach Zenner is his agent. Zach Zenner's got in, gotten into the uh, um, into the uh, agent game. He's also an agent, nutritionist, lawyer. He's kind of gone that route. He's got a couple guys down here that that, that did pretty well. Yeah. Uh, he's one of those guys. I, I like that. He was a guy that stood out to it. He, he just missed my top 10 list. He was a guy that definitely yeah, gotta, stood out. Got to show some love. Got to show some love. Well, that'll do it from the Senior Bowl here for the 20 Minute Huddle Cop podcast. But you know what? You want to go to Arizona? Yeah. You set the Super Bowl? I mean, we may as well. All right. So guess what? We're going to be back next week from Arizona. We got a spot on Radio Row. We're going to try to get uh, a, a bunch of Lions players. We're going to try to get a bunch of uh, national personalities. Maybe Dan Orlovsky might stop by. That's a tease. Barry Sanders. We, we might get some guys down there. So I uh, hope you enjoyed the Senior Bowl coverage from the 20 Minute Huddle podcast. Uh, we will be down in Arizona next week. We'll have uh, much more for you down there. Thank you guys for joining.